0: all right so we've been going through the life of jesus christ and jesus is god who came down to earth as a man and he's been doing some incredible things raise your hand and tell me what are some miracles that jesus has done so far that we've talked about yeah he healed, um, 10 people with leprosy. yeah he healed 10 people with leprosy in the back sir yeah He'll the blind man do his blind can see. He's like, hey, you can see. He's like, I can see. Yes, ma'am. Yes, hey, yeah, he's like, oh, demons. Hey, what's up? Get out. And they ran for the hills. Awesome. Yes, sir. 5, I didn't pick you, but yes, sir. Oh, we also fed 4,000. Great job. Yes. He on agua. Yeah, he walked on agua or water, as we call it in the English. <laughs> uh, we'll take one more. Yes, sir. Yeah, there's a storm raging, and they're on a boat. Literally, there's a huge storm, and waves are crashing. And he literally says to them, like, shut up. He rebukes the waves. And they're like, yes, sir. And they stop in silence. So we've seen Jesus do some incredible things. But before all this started, if you guys remember, a couple months ago even, we talked about a man named John the Baptist. Everybody say John the Baptist. John. Now, this is not John. There's two Johns. You know, like, it's kind of confusing. Sometimes people have the same name. If you name John, raise your hand. Anybody name John in the room? Anybody? Yeah? Oh, there we go. Yeah? In the back, yeah? Oh, we got a couple Johns. Okay. okay, not John. Anyway, so we have two Johns. We have John the Baptist and then John the disciple. So John is one of the disciples that Jesus had, and then also he's called John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, if you remember, was a wild man. He lived in the desert. He had this big beard, and he preached before Jesus came. And here's what he said. He goes, Hey, guys, repent of your sins because... God is coming to earth. Get ready because God is coming to earth. And sure enough, when Jesus came to John the Baptist in the desert, there was a big crowd listening to John preach. And John pauses everything. And he goes, that man is the Lamb of God. That is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, Jesus. And he boldly proclaimed it before all of these people. Now, a couple of years have gone by since Jesus has been doing his ministry, and you're going to notice something. John is going to have a change, a change. And I want us to read about that change here in verse 1 of chapter 11 of the book of Matthew. It says this. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to, preach, or to teach and to preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison Pause there for a second. When John heard in prison. You see, John the Baptist had continued to preach after he baptized Jesus. And Jesus had been doing his ministry and John had kept doing his. But in the middle of John doing his ministry, he got put in jail. You see, what he did was he told a king... He basically sold one of the kings of the land. He says, hey, listen, you're in sin. You're doing things God has told you not to do. And so because you're doing that, you need to stop doing them and repent of your sins. And the king is like, cool, I'm the king. You're going to jail. And he throws John in jail. And so John sits in jail for a long time. And he's possibly awaiting an execution. All the while, Jesus is going around and preaching and doing miracles. So let's keep reading there. It says... When John heard in prison what Jesus was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? John sends word, because he's in prison and can't leave, to Jesus. And he sends it through some of his followers, his disciples. And they get to Jesus and they go, hey Jesus, John has a question for you. Uh, He's in jail, no doubt as you've heard. And here's the question, are you the one, are you the Messiah, are you actually God who has come to earth, or was John wrong, and are you actually somebody else? Literally, John the Baptist, this man who was wild man living in the desert, at times was saying to large crowds, hey, this guy, he is the son of God. Now he has a question, and this question is, hey, Jesus, are you actually the son of God, or was I wrong? Are you, are you really God? I mean, I know I said it earlier, but was that right? Are you actually God? Or should we wait for somebody else? John the Baptist, this mighty prophet, this man of God, was doubting his faith in Jesus. He was doubting his faith. How did this happen? How could a man go from saying to a large crowd, people, this is Jesus, the Son of God, to asking, hey, are you really the Son of God? I don't know. How does this happen? Well, three things took place. First thing was this. Things did not go according to plan. Things did not go according to plan. You see, when John saw that Jesus was the Son of God and he told people, he probably thought to himself, I kind of know what's going to happen next. Jesus is going to become king over our nation. He's going to free us from the Romans who have taken over our country. He's going to probably make me, because I'm his cousin and like I'm kind of a big deal. I was kind of the first person to endorse him publicly. He probably is going to make me into like some prince or some noble, and I'm going to have like a bunch of nice food. I'm going to have to stop eating, you know, honey and locusts, and I'll get like five guys. And I'll get like melt burgers every day. And I'm just going to be fed so right. And I don't have to, you know, just tough it out in the desert. I'll probably live in a palace. And he, he probably had plans in his mind for what was going to happen. But you know what I almost promise you? I bet you his plan wasn't to get thrown in jail and maybe executed. I bet you that wasn't on his plan of what was going to happen. But see, when things don't go according to plan, we start to doubt. We start to have doubt. And you see, doubt is this. Doubt is a lack of confidence or to consider something unlikely. And when things don't go according to plan, we begin to doubt. If you're in the car and you're driving, or I'm sorry, your dad's driving, and you're maybe on a family vacation, and your dad goes, hey guys, it'll take about three hours to get there. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And you're driving, and you hit traffic, and then your dad gets lost, and your dad's looking around like, honey, do you have the map? And he's like pulling out the big map and he's like blocking the window. And you're like, dad, look. And he's like swerving. And you're like, I don't think we're going to get there on time. Why? Why are you doubting? Because things are going according to plan. You're supposed to be there in three hours and it's two hours and 55 minutes. And you've only traveled two miles. You haven't gone very far because you're stuck in traffic. So you begin to doubt because things are going according to plan that it's possible that you get there on time maybe you're playing a sport in the beginning of the game your team gets around maybe you're playing baseball or softball You get around and your teammates are like hey guys we're gonna have a cheer okay ready I somebody's like I I believe I believe I believe that I believe that I believe that we will win you start jumping up and down I believe that we will win and you're like yeah we're gonna do this man and then after the first inning the other team scores 12 runs and you have zero you know what's not happening in the dugout I bet you Billy isn't over there going, I believe that we will probably like Your coach will be like, shut your face. We're losing 12-0. to I don't believe we'll make it out alive. We might die before this game's over. Okay? Johnny just passed out in left field. Just, uh, passed out. I don't believe we'll win. Okay? The belief is gone. It's dead. And Tommy's like, don't believe we will win you know like it just changes why because things are going according to plan your coach probably didn't say okay here's the game plan okay we're gonna lose to them by 12 runs okay in the first inning then we're gonna come roaring back that's a bad plan if your coach is like all right guys here's the team huddle okay ready we're gonna let them score more points than we do break that's not a good plan okay your coach needs to be fired get a new coach or just say you fired get a new coach so here's the deal though John is looking around and he's in a prison and he's about to be sentenced to death. And he's thinking, this doesn't feel like what I planned on. And he begins to doubt, like, wait, if Jesus was really God, why am I in prison? If Jesus is really in control, why am I not happy right now? Why aren't things going according to my plan? What's going on? Another reason that John doubts is Times got hard. Times got hard. If you are in music class and your teacher starts giving you um, more and more sheets of music for a play, not a play, sorry, a concert. You guys are about to have a concert. And you're just like, all right, cool. Here's the first song. And you're like, okay, cool. And you have this belief like, I'm going to play this song. It's going to be great. And I'm going to have a rehearsal. And my parents are going to be proud. My dad's going to be at the camcorder like, that's my son. And be proud. You know, it's going to be great. Man, I'm going to prou- show everybody how great I am at saxophone. And the teacher puts that, you know, playlist down there. And you look at the notes and you're like, Is it upside down? Like, these look like hieroglyphics from Egypt. Like, what in the world is going on here? And your teacher's like, all right, three, two, one, go. And you're like, ah, ah, and you're like, blah, 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 And it sounds terrible. And you go home and you practice, and it still sounds terrible. You know what's going to happen? Your doubt that you're going to perform at the concert, and your dad's going to go, that's my boy, probably is going down. Okay? And your faith in the idea that your dad's probably going to go like, ugh. Shut the camcorder, put it away. Like, that's pretty rough. I I don't want to save that. Your faith goes down as your doubt increases because things are getting harder and it's not easy. John is sitting there in prison. He's thinking, this is hard. I thought things when Jesus happened were going to get easier. I thought my life would get easier. But I'm here in prison and I might die. I thought Jesus was going to help. What's going on? Finally, the reason John begins to doubt is because he's persecuted for his faith. He's persecuted. Persecuted is a fancy word. and just basically means people are looking at you and trying to discourage you for your faith, or they're judging you for your faith, or they're attacking you or trying to hurt you because of your faith. And John, because he's doing the right thing, he's getting in trouble. He's getting in trouble and he's in jail because he did what God told him to do. That'd be like your mom saying, hey, I want you to go into school today. I want you to give this apple to the teacher. Okay, and I want you to do this. And you're like, yes, ma'am. So you go to church, or not church, sorry. You go to school, and you're like, here's an apple. And the teacher goes, great, you're going to detention. And you're like, what? I, I, I did what my mom told me. I gave you an apple. Like, I did all the things I am supposed to do. And you're sitting, what? Why am I getting punished for doing the right thing? And John's like, I'm doing the right thing. I'm preaching. Hey, here's what God's word says. You should do this. And the king's like, you go to jail. I'm sorry, you are in trouble. And you're like, I might die. This doesn't seem Like it's making sense, and John's doubting, wait, hold on. If you're Jesus, and I do what you say, then I end up in jail. I'm starting to doubt that I should do what you say. Why is this hard? And all these things are adding up. Times are getting hard. Things are going according to plan, getting persecuted for your faith. And John reaches a breaking point where he says to Jesus, Jesus, Believe once, but I'm struggling to believe in you. Help me. Jesus answers, and I'm amazed at his answer every time I read this. Listen to this. Says in verse 4, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who had leprosy are cured. Those who are deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Jesus starts, and he says, John, remember and see what I have done and what I am doing. I'm healing people that were sick. The dead are being raised. Realize, John, I have power and I'm still here, and I'm still working. He encourages his faith, but then also listen to what he says. It says in verse 7, As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go to the desert to see? A reed swaying by the wind? If not, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothing? No. Those who are wearing fine clothing are in king's palaces. Then what did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. More than a prophet. This is the one whom it was written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Pause there for a second. Jesus begins to speak as John's disciples are leaving, so they can still hear him. And Jesus says, hey, guys, um, remember when all of you would go to the desert? Why would you go to the desert? And I'm like, oh, well, we went to hear, yeah, you went to hear John the Baptist preach. Why? Because he was a prophet. He was a man of God. He was the one promised. And he was doing what God told him to do. And you know what? John the Baptist is the greatest of anyone Who's ever been born. If Jesus put in the Bible a verse, and Jesus said about Barrett, I say unto thee, I tell the truth, Barrett Phillips is the greatest human to ever be born. You know what? That'd be my favorite Bible verse. I would get that one tattooed on my arm, like Barrett is the greatest. Hey, see my tattoo? It says Barrett's the greatest. Jesus said it. He's kind of a big deal. I make sure I had T-shirts for that one, you know? You know, Mark 12, 13, Jesus said unto them, Bear it is awesome, amen, <laughs> amen. I pray that, Lord. I, I make it into a worship song. it is awesome. I make it a worship song. Okay, that's terrible. But, you know, it would be something amazing to brag about. But imagine John hearing Jesus say these words. Of all the men born, John is the greatest. Now notice something. It wasn't like John had done something amazing and then Jesus said, you're the greatest. It wasn't like John had been like, I can walk on water too. And Jesus was like, you're the greatest. It wasn't like John had preached this amazing sermon and then Jesus goes, you are the greatest. John had literally doubted his faith in Jesus and gone to Jesus and like, Jesus, I'm just struggling. I'm struggling to believe you. And Jesus had said these words, hey, listen, I still have power. I can still do amazing things. Believe in me. And you know what, John? I'm proud of you. I've seen what you've done, and I am proud of you. You're amazing. He encourages John. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't go, are you kidding me, John? You can't believe in me all the time? You have doubt what is wrong with you. He says, John, I'm proud of you. This is the voice of Jesus, our Savior. And these are the words that he speaks To the doubting, John. Let me tell you something, guys. We look through the Bible, and sometimes we look at these people, and we think, man, they're amazing. They're perfect. But every person in the Bible sins and messes up. We learned that last week, talking about the disciples. But I also want you to see that, that at some point, believers, we struggle with doubt. We have a time where we look at our faith in Jesus and we struggle with doubt. And I think there are a couple reasons why this happens, but I want to talk about the same three that John talked about. The first reason that we doubt our faith in Jesus or faith in being a Christian is this. Things don't go according to plan. Maybe you become a Christian. And you pray like, Lord, I want to be a Christian. Please forgive me my sins. I love you. We pray and we're like, wow, I feel great. you go to school and you're like, man, I feel so good. And then the craziest thing happens. The craziest thing happens. Your life doesn't get better. It gets harder. You go into class and you have still struggle getting good grades. You go into lunch and you still struggle to find people to sit with. And people maybe still make fun of you. And you kind of sit there and you wonder to yourself, well, hold on. I have Jesus in my heart. I'm now a Christian. Why isn't this going according to plan? Why is this so hard? And and obstacles start to get in your way and things get hard. And you say, God, if you're there, Jesus, why, why is it at home? I still struggle. Why is it at home my parents still pick on me, or not my parents, my siblings still pick on me, and my my parents still fight? Why is it if you're there, God, all these hardships are still there? And maybe we start to ask the question like John. Jesus, are you really the son of God, or should I wait for something else? Are you really there? We begin to ask those questions as things get hard. Doubt can be a dangerous thing. Because it grows up in front of us. And it's like a mountain, an obstacle. And the higher it gets, the smaller our faith gets. I was listening to one of my good friends, uh, Ben Corson. He's come and spoken in a couple of our camps. And he has this quote. And he said, Doubt can create mountains. Faith can move them. Doubt, when we doubt ourselves, or bigger, I should say, when we doubt ourselves, Jesus and his power. When we doubt the Lord, this mountain forms in front of us. But if we can have faith, we can move that mountain of doubt out of the way. I want to tell you something. Jesus did not tell us that if you come and follow me, I will make your life easy. If you come and follow me, there will be no hardships in your life. That's not what he said. He actually said, hey, if you come and follow me, people will make fun of you. People will mock you. If you come and follow me, you might have a hard life but you will get an eternal life when you pass away. And I will be with you as you live your life. Jesus said to his disciples, listen, I will be with you even to the ends of the earth. Wherever you go, I will be with you. And even though you encounter hardships, know that I will encourage you and love you through those things. I'll help you summit those mountains of doubt that you have. Another reason that we might doubt our faith because of the persecution of other people, other people might put that doubt into your head. Just if you have a dream, like let's say you want to be an artist, and man, I really want to draw. And you are sitting there and you are drawing, and somebody comes up and goes, "Hey, what are you drawing?" And they look at your drawing on the bus and I'm like, "Man, that looks terrible." I have a five-year-old nephew named Steve. Steve could do a better job than you at drawing. Literally, you are terrible. You are going nowhere. And they walk away. What happens? Your doubt that that dream can become possible grows. And your faith that becomes possible fades. And as that doubt grows, your faith fades. The same is with our faith in Jesus. If I have faith in heaven, somebody comes to me and they go, wait, you believe in a heaven? What in the world? Has anyone ever been to heaven? Like, what what does heaven even look like? How do you know? Have you ever seen heaven? Have you ever seen God with your eyes? And they try to put doubt in your head. And these haters, literally, they're hating on you. They're trying to pull down your faith in God and add these obstacles of doubt into your hearts. Maybe you walk into that biology classroom and your teachers start talking about evolution and you're like, oh man, is there a God? Or did we just all become from a speck? Maybe you go into a philosophy class and you hear the teachers start talking about other religions and you're like, wait, there are other religions. Maybe they're right. And you start to have these seeds of doubt and people are trying to put them into your life. And you know what we want to do sometimes? We we don't want to address it. We hide from that doubt. We shove it down and we bury it. We don't want to tell anybody because we might be embarrassed. It's not what we should do. What we should do is we should take that doubt to God. Just like John did. John said, Listen, God, um, Jesus, are are you God? I'm doubting. Help me to believe. Tell me to believe. There's a passage, and I love this passage, where a man brings his son to Jesus, and his son has some problems. His son is mute. And he brings him to Jesus, and nobody can heal or save or help his son. And then he brings him to Jesus, and he goes, Jesus, if you could, could you help my son? If you could. And Jesus replies, and he goes, if you believe, I will. Jesus is saying, why why are you doubting that I can heal him? Know that I can heal him, and I will. And the man says this back, I love this verse. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. He says, I I believe partially. I have a little bit of faith. Here's a little bit of faith that I have, Jesus. But there's this doubt, and it's here, and I see it. Can you help me with this? Take that doubt away. Replace it with faith in you. And Jesus says, all right. And he gives the man faith, and he heals his son. Whenever you struggle with doubt in your faith, we need to take it to God. We need to take that doubt to God and say, God, here it is. I need to be honest with you. I'm struggling with my faith. I'm doubting. I give it to you. Help my unbelief. Give me faith. Like that song says, give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good. Give me faith. Ask God for it. Let me give you an example. When I was in high school, I used to live uh, in Georgia, and I went to a private Christian school. And then I moved up here my junior year of high school, and I went to public school for the first time. And it was hard. It was a challenging environment for me. And I remember I grew up in a Christian family. hadn't really doubted my faith. But then I, I went to a biology classroom. I'm sitting in biology. My teacher sees that I have a Christian shirt on. I don't remember what it said. I used to have these, like you know, Christian t-shirts talking about Jesus or whatnot. And I'm there, and, and, and as I'm, you know, just sitting there, really minding my own business, the teacher says to me, "He goes, hey, uh, are you a Christian, Barrett?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah." And he goes, "Wow, I, I thought you were smarter than that." And I remember being so hurt. This is the guy that taught me. And he says, "Yeah, I thought, I thought you were smarter than that, huh?" and he kind of laughs it off. And throughout the rest of the year, he would do his best to put doubt in our minds, and he'd talk about evolution, talk about the Big Bang Theory, and do whatever he could to drag down the Christians in the room. And I wish I could tell you that I had this moment, like in God's Not Dead, where I go, actually, God's not dead. And I debated him, and I beat him down, and he left crying. He's like, I don't he ran out of the room. It didn't happen. I'm sorry. I don't know that much about biology. I didn't go home and study. I I just, I didn't. But then I remember I went to another classroom a little bit later in the year and I had philosophy. So I'm sitting there in philosophy class and the teacher had us the beginning of the year write, what do you believe? So I wrote down that I believe in Jesus. I wrote down I believe in like heaven. I wrote down everything I believe. And I remember I turned it in and he, he says, Barrett, I want you to challenge your belief and I hope that your belief changes. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He literally was hoping that I would change what I believed. And at the end of the year, he was going to give us a piece of paper, and he was going to tell us to write again what we believe. And he wanted to see if it changed. He really wanted, that was an assignment he gave us. We had to write why we believe what we believe. So, um, the year went on, and I remember one time during the year, he brought in an old student. And he had a master's degree. And his student came in and goes, I'm going to teach you a theory I learned and wrote a paper on in uh, grad school, how there is no Judeo-God. And he went on the board and he explained how there's no God. And he said, listen, now, here's the reasons we can know that there isn't really a God. And he mapped out an argument. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, like, man, do, do I believe this? And then on top of all that, that year, it was a struggle. I was in a new school. I didn't know people. I remember I used to be good at football, and this year I wasn't. It was brand new, and then I'm having all this doubt, and it's creeping in, and my doubt began to grow. I remember one time, I was in Barnes & Noble, and I remember having a bunch of books. Uh, I was with my dad, and I reached over After reading some Christian books, and I found there was a section of atheist books, and I began to flip through them. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's books about this too. And I began to have this fear in my heart. And Eventually, I began to doubt. But you know what I did? I started off, and I told my dad. I'm like, dad, i got to be honest with you. I'm having some struggle with doubt of my faith. He told me he was thankful that I told him. He said, thanks for telling me. And he goes, well, well, let me tell you something. First, everybody has times where they struggle with doubt. So you're not alone. Don't think that you're the only person to ever do this. You're not alone. Second, though, I want you to take that doubt. I want you to give to the Lord. And he actually turned to this same story. He turned to this story I'm preaching to you guys today. And he shared this same, similar, if you will, teaching about John the Baptist, how he doubted, but then how Jesus complimented him. And he said, Barrett, listen, everybody might struggle with doubt, but what are you going to do with that doubt? Are you going to let it cripple you? Or are you going to take that doubt and say, Jesus, here it is. Take care of it. Beat it down. Give me faith to trust what you say. So I began to seek the Lord for answers. I had questions about my faith, so what did I do? I looked. I asked people who knew. I asked youth pastors. I read books. There are so many great Christian books out there about answers to questions that we have. There's this great website called gotquestions.org, and it literally has a search bar, and you just type in questions like, hey, I have a question. Uh, Why does Jesus do this? And it pops up with an answer, and it's amazing. It's gotquestions.org if you're interested. But it was really interesting to just Seek out my faith. And then I read books. I read this book called The Case for Christ. And it's a book about how we can have faith that Jesus rose from the dead. And I, I, I sought the Lord and I prayed. I'm like, God, help my unbelief. And you know what happened? The end of the year, I went back to that philosophy class. Well, I was there every year, every day. But I went to that philosophy class. We had the same assignment. And I wrote, I remember, I was really proud of this. I wrote at the very, very beginning. I said, my beliefs have changed. I could just see my teacher maybe pretending. I was pretending like he was reading it. And he goes, oh, right. Barrett changed his mind. And I go, I now believe stronger than I did before at the beginning of the year that Jesus is God. God's on the throne alive. And I believe that I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and I remember. I remember the teacher. I, I wrote out. All my arguments. I'm like, you had a guy come in, and he talked about why this. Well, guess what? And I wrote out my arguments. They weren't that great, but they were arguments. And you know what? I had something. <laughs> so I wrote it out. And you know what the teacher gave me? He gave me an 82. He gave me a B minus. And he wrote. And actually, you know, he didn't actually write on it. He told me, because he gave it back to us. And he goes, Barrett, I'm a little disappointed in you. And I go, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounds mean. I wasn't mean to him. I really was He was a good man. He was. And I I wasn't, you know, hurt by that, but he was just doing what he believed. But so was I. And I want to encourage you guys, when you have doubt, it's an opportunity for you to have greater faith. It's an opportunity for you to take that doubt and say, Jesus, I doubt. It's big. It's scary. Things are going according to plan. There's hardships in my life. People are literally jumping on board and dragging my faith down. But I believe in you. Even if it's a small amount of faith. Even if it says, the Bible says, the faith in a mustard seed. And a mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds, and yet it's one of the greatest trees that grew in that area. Jesus was saying, if you just give me a little bit of your faith, if you cling on to that faith, I can use it in your life. I want to encourage you guys that if you have had doubts, or if you're going to have doubts later, when you do, feel free to tell people Tell your parents, tell a leader in the youth room, ask me questions if you have questions about the Bible. Feel free to do that. Get into the Bible and find answers. There's Christian resources out there, amazing books, great websites. If you want any of those, come and talk to me. But I want you to know, I want you to know also that you should take that doubt and say, God, I have doubt, I give it to you. Now give me faith. Help my unbelief. And it might take some time but God will answer that prayer. And he will give you a greater faith than you even had before. Uh, my friend Ben Corson I told you about also had this other quote that I love. I don't know if it was his, but he likes to say it. He says, don't doubt God. Doubt your doubts. Don't doubt that God is there. Look at your doubts. But guess what? I doubt you. I doubt you. I remember, real quick, while with this story, the guy who came in, the grad student came in, and he shared a quote from Buddha. And he says, here's a quote from Buddha. Buddha says that you should try to doubt everything. Everything that's in front of you, you should have a moment where you doubt that it's true. And I remember going home like, man, I should doubt everything. And then later, after reading, I found this great argument. They, they put in there in the book, in the Christian book I was reading. It says, some people say that you should doubt everything. I'm like, huh, I remember that. And he goes, well, if that's true, then you should doubt the person who's saying that I should doubt everything. Meaning, I shouldn't doubt everything. And then I remember the guy also got up there, and he says, you should not believe that anything is absolutely true. And then the book goes on, you might hear from people that you should never doubt. You should have everything, on too. I'm like, well, I just heard that from the guy. And then it goes, well, then you should doubt that what the person is saying is absolutely true. And I'm like, wow, that's great. That's good stuff. But I want to encourage you guys again, take your doubt and take it to the Lord and He will replace that doubt with faith. Also, want to encourage you guys, one last thing. January 1st, on a Sunday, we're going to meet in here for our regular Sunday service. And we're going to do something called a question and answers service. Basically, what it means is, I'll be up on the stage, I'll have a little stool I'll sit on, and you guys can send in questions for us to talk about. You ask us any questions and we can address them or talk about them. And if you don't want to wait till then, you can come up and ask me later, ask one of our leaders. But also, I can give you some resources. Again, check out that website, gotquestions.org. Again, gotquestions.org. Great website for uh, defending your faith. So, all that to say, love you guys and uh, let's pray. So, Father God, thank you so much that you love us even though we're not perfect. And God, there might be seasons where we as believers struggle with doubt. I pray that you give us faith, as the song says, to trust what you say, to believe. And we have that doubt, we would take it to you. And we wouldn't allow the obstacles of things being challenging or people getting in our way and adding doubt to our minds to to allow us to miss out from what you have for us. Lord, I believe if we take our doubt to you and seek out the answers, you will answer them. And I believe our faith will be even stronger than it was before. There will be even more firm in our love for you. We love you, God. We believe what you say. Help our unbelief. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.